0: Hello friends, welcome to the Faith Culture Podcast. My name is Shina Akande from Lagos, Nigeria. It's so nice coming your way again, you know. And today I have, you know, an interesting conversation with, that I'm going to be sharing with you. Uh, it's with Michael Martinez, you know, all the way from Ontario, California. He's going to be sharing with us, you know, his journey, you know, of being a gay, you know, to coming to know Jesus Christ, you know. That is such an inspiring story that I believe you don't want to, so please stay tuned as um, you know as I welcome my guest, uh, Michael Martinez, to the show today.
1: Hi, thank you. Greetings from California, uh, United States. It's good to be here today.
0: Yeah, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for willing to do this. You know, it's such um, a a great thing for me. And I know my listeners, you know, can't really wait to hear you, you know, share your story with us. But before we sort of dive into the main conversation today, uh, Mikey, I would like you to sort of, um, you know, introduce yourself. Can we get to meet you?
1: Yeah, like you said, my name is Michael Martinez. Um, I just turned 42 this past year in October. So I was born in 1980. Um, Like I said, I live here in the United States. I was born and raised here uh, my entire life. Um, I grew up in a Christian household. You know, my family on my mom's side were pastors. My grandma and grandpa were actually missionaries for many years, stationed in Germany. Uh, Were they missionary to church out there? So I had a really good structured family uh, upbringing in my faith growing up on my mom's side uh, my dad's family came from strong catholic family so more practiced the religion but didn't really have relationship with god um and you know i grew up here in southern california like i said my whole life grew up in church um there was a period of my life where i chose to walk away from god and kind of seek out my own my own identity and what that looked like and um Walked away from God around the age of 13 and experienced a lot of things in my journey, um, including many different drug addictions and um, addictions, which would eventually lead to my alcoholism, which in turn would uh, be my saving point, um, reaching back out to God a few years ago uh, to be born again. But definitely had an experience, adventure away from God, like I said, from the age of 13 to almost 38 years old, you know, experimenting with different drugs, um, really exploring my sexuality, what that looked like, um, until I was born again in 2018, and God kind of opened my eyes to the life that I had been living.
0: Wow, awesome, awesome. I mean, your story is just a very good example of the fact that there's no one that God kind of saved, no matter how, you know, how far you probably would have gone into sin, you know, the hands of God are so, you know, wide enough, are so big enough, you know, to save, you know, to save, um, to save you, Um, and thank you for sharing your story, you know, with us, um, Michael. But I'm very much interested in how you sort of, you know, I know we're gonna talk about how you, you know, uh, you know, how you ventured into the world of LGBTQ, right but but before okay well maybe before we sort of ask I mean I ask my other question I think I I would love to hear you share with us you know how how did you get to go into that I mean how, how did that come about
1: you know I think the devil is really good at planting seeds especially in young children from a young age so um growing up in my family, I look back and I evaluate, you know, the people that were close to me growing up that were there for me uh, spiritually. And it was predominantly women. I had my mom, my aunt, my sister, some female cousins. It seemed like all the strong spiritual people around me from a young age growing up were women. And the kind of ones that suffered more, struggled more with their spirituality was the men, including my father. You know, I mentioned my grandma and my grandpa on my mom's side were missionaries, but outside of my grandpa, who was the pastor, I didn't really have a lot of strong spiritual males to look up to when I was a young kid. Mm-hmm. So looking back on top of, um, I think just the people that raised me and influenced me being mostly women, I also look back at my interests and I realized that I was not your typical little boy growing up. I wasn't your... Typical, you know, in the United States, they're very big on, you know, feminine and masculine and what toys are acceptable for boys and toys that are acceptable for girls. And, you know, I always found interests that I felt were more artistic, more creative. You know, I wasn't into the sports and all your other typical gender roles for boys, But I was very much into the creative stuff and the stuff that I saw my female cousins that were interested in. So I really look back and I believe that the devil did a young, a good job at a young age just to plant seeds in my head that I was different than the rest of the boys, that I didn't do things that the rest of the boys did. Um, On top of that, a big aspect of, you know, my mind perception and my mind growing up was exposure to uh, pornography at a very young age. You know, I shared that my dad really didn't follow Christ when I was growing up. And my dad had a problem with sex and pornography. And um, I found some of his videos and magazines growing up. And I think that exposure to pornography also at a young age gave me really unrealistic views of what intimacy with women looked like. And it showed me that men were pigs and men were dirty and men deserted to be treated dirty because... You know, they like to watch those type of things. So um, I really noticed looking back uh, at a lot of seeds, I think the devil used from a young age to start planting those seeds that I was different. I wasn't like the rest of the boys. You know, I wasn't your typical male or I wasn't interested in sports. And the devil really used those lies from a young age to pervert it and start making me think that, you know, maybe I was gay because I wasn't like the rest of the boys.
0: Hmm. So the corrupting influence of, you know, of the enemy. But then, you know, Michael, from your story, you know, at the very, at the very young age of 13, you know, that was when you sort of like strayed into, you know, you know, seeking, you know, an identity of, of some of these sorts, right? But, you know, I mean, you grew up in the church. And yeah, from your story, you know, your father wasn't, you know, wasn't a Christian and stuff like that. Well, you know, was the church not sort of like supportive in in helping to, you know, to mold you or sort of give you some sort of direction or help you? I mean, did you at some point even share your struggles with the church, you know, stuff like that?
1: You know, so as I started getting older, around the age of 10 or 11, um, so I also look back and I realized I had low self-esteem as a little boy. So low self-esteem and rejection from um, young girls also kind of had me inward, put my feelings towards men because, you know, I was interested in girls when I was younger, when I was a little boy. But like I told you, watching all the videos and the pornography had me thinking really um, abnormal thoughts of what I should be doing with these girls. So that on top of the rejection with women, um, I had an experience with um, an older boy when I was younger and this boy, um, me and him messed around sexually And, um, what I got from that experience from this older boy was the sense of feeling wanted, feeling desired, feeling loved, like someone wanted me. And I think growing up, um, I really desired that, that affection from another man. You know, I didn't get it from my dad growing up. I didn't have a lot of strong men. So I noticed around the age of 10, 11, 12, I started having these feelings towards, um, other men. And yeah, there was a time where, you know, I grew up in my church. So I had known my pastor at that age now for about 12 years old. I was born into that church. And um, my mom knew that I had an encounter that we needed to talk to the pastor about. So I did go and see the count, the pastor for counseling. And it was really hard for me to be open and honest with him. Um, and I feel like it was a big weight relieved off my chest once I told him the thoughts I had been experienced. But looking back, to be honest, I wasn't completely honest with him in the desires that I had. And I kind of shifted the blame onto another younger kid in the church. So um, those counseling uh, sessions with the pastor didn't last long. You know, he kind of blamed my dad for not being there for me growing up. And that was it. It was kind of swept under the rug. It's something that we really didn't talk about at that age. And that was the age, like I said, around 13. When I, I'm at that age where my mom really can't force me to go to church. And I made the decision to stop going to church, and um, I found a community of people that were my age, young teenagers, and they were going to these um, Los Angeles, LA underground parties back during that time, uh, which had a world with uh, LGBTQ subculture. And uh, me walking away from God and exploring these parties really helped me um Turn on a light switch, it ignited something different in my sexuality that hadn't been ignited before.
0: I mean you know sometimes you know we would expect that our churches are sort of more responsible you know in watching out for you know for i mean for um you know kids or young folks you know going astray or even when they come to them for counseling or when they come to express their feelings we would expect more from our churches i mean if you look back now i mean is there something you feel the church would have got better you know in helping you um you know when you went you know to talk to: your You
1: know, I, I think it's the same advice I can give to churches now. I think churches need to talk about this issue more in the church, and mm-hmm. I think we need to, we need to have discussions that are centered around the love of God and not condemning individuals. Um, it's hard, like as a believer now, we can talk and we know that it's a sin, right that living homosexual lifestyle' is a sin, but to someone that's in that lifestyle that doesn't know God yet for us to come at them and just tell them that their life is a sin. I feel like the church needs to do a better job at showing them the love of Christ first and really loving them into relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, And that I think would have helped with me. I think if my church growing up had more conversations on what um, same sex attraction looks like, or people that struggle with these thoughts and desires and, you know, equipped the church with community groups, or tools, or resources on how to fight this temptation, I think it would have helped me out growing up. You know, yeah. we see a lot of offer for churches with drug addictions and people that have, you know, marital problems. There's a lot of marital counseling groups, and but we don't see really too many support groups and churches for people that have this. So that's um, part of, you know, where I'm at today is trying to bring awareness and get churches, you know, to be conscious
0: and mindful and offer support for their congregation i mean great stuff really great stuff and i mean if you are listening to this conversation and you um you know you're a pastor of a church or you work in a church or something i mean you just heard from michael it's just important that we have some sort of support system in the church we, are, we also have you know we also need to talk about these things you know and also avoid the blame game you know I mean, really, the church can't just sort of um, sit at the back and just allow things happen in, you know, in our various assemblies. We must um, be more responsible, you know, talk about... I mean, and I love the fact that, you know, Michael came out straight talking about the fact that, you know, homosexuality is a sin. We can't sugarcoat that, but I mean, if you are not going to, you know, talk to people in your church, you don't have to come in a condemnatory manner. You know, you have to show them the love of God. That is very, very important. And, I mean, we must also avoid the stereotyping. We must let people know that God loves them and God is willing to save them, you know, even in that state where they are. in. Mean, um, thank you so much, Michael. And I hope that anyone listening, you know, is taking um, important notes of this um, conversation. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be talking to you also again about, uh, you know, the, the the sort of, you know, you, you spent close to 24 years, am I correct? Right, from the age of thirteen to thirty-seven. Wow, from the age of thirteen to yeah, to thirty-seven. That is uh, about twenty-four years, right? And uh, you know, in, in all of these years, you know, uh, uh, did you? Okay, I, I just needed to sort of like share with me. Were you sort of definite about the identity you you had as a you know as um you know uh, as um, as a person, or were you struggling? Were you having a double mind? Or were you just like completely sold out to the fact that, oh, this is who I am? Uh, I I mean, so what was it like with, you know, just 24 years? Yeah, You know, different ages,
1: it was different emotions, different, um, different results in different seasons. So, you know, when I was real young, 14, 15, 16, dealing with these, it was, this is something new in me. This is something I don't know about. I want to explore this. Um, but still in the back of my mind, being raised in church, knowing that it was wrong, but still wondering, hey, even if it's wrong, is this an identity for me? Is this something that's going to be my identity? You know, I had moments where um, I lied to myself and I told myself, you know, God knows I'm a good person. You know, if I were to die and go before God, who knows, maybe I'll get into heaven. You know, I think I lied to myself a lot of times trying to believe the lie, which I knew once again in the back of my head. Um, I had moments where I cried out to God many times and I asked God, why did you give me this desire? I don't want this. You know, a lot of people say, oh, um, it's a choice and it's a choice to act it out. But to have those struggles in your head, it's I never chose that, you know, and I asked God many times why he wouldn't just take that away. Um, but I think throughout my whole 24 years, one thing I never had, and I share that with my family was I never had peace. And that's one thing that I knew was missing from my life, um, that I lied and I would say I'm doing okay, but I knew deep down inside that I didn't have that peace of God. Something was missing. And when I finally got born again, I realized that that peace that was missing was a peace that only God gives us when we're walking with him and when we're saved. So, um, yeah, I had moments where I tried to tell myself I was going to die this way. And, um, but like I said, at the end of the day, I was missing the peace of God, which I really desired. And I really was searching for at the end of it. Well,
0: um, I mean, I I can imagine really because, you know, um, Jesus Christ is the Prince of peace and, you know, nothing in this world, can really satisfy, you know, and uh, I mean, really, the devil just sort of gives us, uh, you know, um, just that force, um, force um, sort of experience to say, oh yeah, this is gonna make you feel better. This is, you know, make you feel good, you know. But it's all a lie. All right. Um, okay, thank you so much, Michael. I, I really appreciate your uh, vulnerability and sincerity, you know, on this conversation so far. Uh, and yeah. okay, now let's talk about, you know. Um, 2018 that was when you had an experience with with jesus christ right uh, yeah yeah so what was it like what was that day like that you know when you met christ you know and uh, when you received christ into
1: so during the whole 24 years you know i was living that lifestyle you know i um like i said i grew up in church i had my grandparents that were still pastors so I found during those twenty four years i would uh have because i during that time I got involved with a lot of just different drugs and uh, different addictions uh speed cocaine you know methamphetamine um l s d alcohol and what I would find was that whenever I was doing really really bad or in a bad spot, I would run to Jesus and ask Jesus to save me, but as soon as he got me out of a problem or a tough situation. I would just keep on going back to my filth. Like the Bible talks about a dog going back to his vomit and I never took a relationship with Jesus Christ serious. It's, I knew he could help me and I almost used Jesus like a quick fix just to get me out of problems. You know, um, at the end of, uh, and going into 2018, you know, I had been in and out of different recovery programs and I had got clean from different drug addictions. But in 2018, I was a really bad alcoholic and I was drinking really, really bad just to numb and hide and escape all of the things I was going through in life. And um, in 2018, I reached a point where I was at my bottom. You know, I had a lot of things going against me. I was about to lose my job. Uh, I was about to lose some relationships, some family relationships, um, um, some of my belongings. I was about to I was just in a really bad place because of where the drinking had got me. And. I wasn't trying to change my sexuality. You know, at that point in 2018, I was okay with my sexuality living as a gay man. You know, I was going to West Hollywood with my work and doing, you know, gay pride parades and leading different parades. So I wasn't trying to change my sexuality, but in 2018, I did reach a place spiritually where I was done drinking and I wanted God to rescue me from the alcoholism. So in 2018, I said a prayer like I had never said in my adult life and I just told God I was sick of my life, I was sick relying on alcohol to function, I couldn't have a good time without drinking, I was so depressed, I didn't have friends, I was just in a bad spot, and in 2018, um, God heard my prayer overnight, and he delivered me overnight in 2018 from drinking alcohol. I woke up the next day with no desire to drink, I wasn't craving it, I wasn't having withdrawals, I wasn't shaking. Um, God had fully rescued me overnight from the alcoholism. And it was just having that radical encounter with him in 2018 that he let me know that he was there and that he didn't forget about me and that he still had a plan for me to have, you know, a purpose and a life with a promise. And um slowly after that day in 2018, it was um, May 28th. And a couple months later, you know, God starts having me do a checklist spiritually of where I was at in my life. And he started asking me a lot of personal questions. He started asking me, you know, after 24 years living in this community, are you happy? Have you found true love? Do you have good friends? Are you, you know, all these things he was asking me and every answer was no, God, I'm not happy. No, God, I never found true love. No, God, I'm not happy with my career. No, God, I'm not happy with my friendships. And he almost asked me like, then what am I doing? You know, what am I doing with my life? So I decided a couple of months after that first encounter with the alcohol that I was going to trust God. And even if that meant trust him with my sexuality and what he was calling me to do.
0: Wow. Well, beautiful. Beautiful. And uh, I love the way you wrapped that up. That, I, mean, so, I mean, it is all about trusting God, you know, and it's I mean, you just have to completely trust him, you know. Uh, because his hand is just so great to save us, and If we don't trust him, there's no way we're going to be saved, you know. Uh, and that trust is what keeps you grounded in the faith. Is what keeps you steady. Is what you know keeps you balanced and all that. Um, thank you, um, uh, Ma- uh, Michael. Okay, so uh, Michael, I-, I want to talk about you know some of the misconceptions, you know, um, uh, you know that many people have today about being gay. I mean, there's a whole lot of misconceptions out there, but I mean, you, you you were once there and now you've come to the light. What, what are some misconceptions that you are aware of and like, you love to, like, clear people about it and say, no, this is not it at all?
1: Well, I think a lot of people have that belief stuck in their head that, you know, people are born that way, that there's no way of changing because they're born that way. And, you know, I'm a firm believer that we experience things in our childhood that shape our um, sexuality. So, like, for me, um, I don't believe I was born gay. I shared that when I was younger, I had a desire for a woman and for family. And, you know, I sought younger girls and I was rejected by girls going up because I had the wrong desires. Uh, but I do feel like my experience not having a connection with my father, that encounter with a younger boy at a young age sexually, these different things we go through at a young age really shape our um, understanding of our sexuality And we attach these labels to ourselves that are lies. So I think the first misconception is that we're born that way. And I believe that that's a lie from the enemy, you know? For the person that absolutely believes they were born that way, I think it's important when scripture says, then we must be born again. You know, we must be new creation. Um, And I think there's also a misconception that people can't change, you know? And that leaves very, or little hope for someone, for the young boy that's sitting in church, you know, and he's wrestling with these desires for other boys. and he hears that there's no hope for, you know, the sin that he struggles with. So that's a lie too. You know, um, I've met a lot of people. I have a lot of friends that have the same testimony as I do. You know, it's a choice to follow Christ, you know, and that's a hard choice that it is to make. And um, I think it's important that we realize it's no different than other sin, you know, homosexuality isn't, you know, worse than, You know, the straight man that is having ungodly thoughts about another woman outside of his marriage. You know, it's the same lustful root of the sin. And we have to get over this um, concept that that people can't change, that it's not possible because that's a lie.
0: So much, um, Michael. That is absolutely insightful, uh, and, uh, and I mean, because I was going to ask you, that, that, um, you know, the question about the fact that is it true? I mean, many people, there's this misconception that people say um, that you, you, you know, some people are born gay, and I love that. That was one of the, um, you know, that was even the first thing you had to mention as uh, a misconception, right? So, if you are there listening to this conversation um you know you're, you're not you're not born gay it's it's a lie from the pit of hell uh, you know these are things that the enemy have sown into your life you know just to sort of cause you and just to sort of destroy you right and it's something you can come out of you know michael's testimony is it's one that should give you hope, right if you uh, if you are someone listening and you know you are struggling with some sexuality or you know or or even any at all really just like michael said the sin of homosexualism is is not is not different from every other sin. All us, I mean, sins as whatever say, you know, sins are just you know, there are, any any ungodliness is a sin, right? That's what I'm going to say, and and Jesus Christ is 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 just there to so sort of, you know save you, right? So you might say, oh, yours is not you're not practicing homosexualism, but or homosexuality it could be something else, and Jesus still wants, to, he still wants to save you, right? Yeah, okay, so um, Michael, yeah, as we begin to wrap this all up, I'm just going to ask you, uh, how were you able to sort of build um, strength, build comfort, uh, build, um, you know, some sort of solidity, you know, after you gave your life to Christ? Because I know, you know, it's, it, I don't think it was easy, you know, after you um, gave your life to Christ. I know uh, many people would have turned they're back, you know, I mean, some of your friends, you know, you know, who were doing some of the things you were doing, they would have surprised and they would have probably tried to lure you again, you know, and even the community, you know, because I know the gay community, you know, they have a whole lot of support, you know, for members of that community and, you know, losing all of that supports and trying to find your feet and, you know, serve God and remain, you know, and, you know, and you know, seek your identity in Christ. How were you able to do all of that? You know, um, you, know you know, ever since. Yeah. For me, community
1: was important. You know, you touched on it. You hit it on the head. You know, we when we when we when we when we come out of the LGBT and we choose to follow Christ, it's not like we're just you know turning away from a couple people. We're leaving a whole community of people behind. Um, in that season, you know, a lot of them, we're not going to go back to and hang out uh, with, or, you know, God might have this minister to them on a different level, but it's, we're leaving behind a whole community of people. So for me, it was important finding not only a church community to walk alongside me and love me where I was at, but to find a community of people that have been through what I've been through. And so I've been able to find other support groups like Freedom March, um, fearless identity, different other groups that, you know, it's individuals that are walking out of the LGBTQ and really making friendships with people that understand what I've been through. Community was important. And then also just doing what it takes to get closer to God. So understanding that it's not a big LGBTQ issue, it's a lust issue. It's an identity issue. And the only way for me to, um, solidify my identity in Christ is to grow closer with him. So it's important for me that I stay in my word daily. You know, um, I stay in praise and worship. You know, I stay going to church and staying connected. I got to do a lot of work myself. I got to put a lot of the work in because if I start slipping away from God, it's easy for me to get in that carnal flesh again, in that mind flesh state. You know, um, I share with people, it's not like a light switch that just turned on and, oh, you know, I'm not gaining more or I don't have desires like I still battle thoughts and I still battle lustful fleshly thoughts um, towards other men at time but like I said it's my heart posture now the transformation that's gone on inside where I need to take those thoughts captive I got to be accountable to my community and I pick up my cross and follow Christ daily so community is definitely important and staying locked into the word of God and then um, just making sure that wherever, whenever I share my story I let the LGBTQ community know that God loves them you know, a lot of them say, well, God loves us too. And God loves gays. And, um, I absolutely agree. I think that's something they like to try to say is if we're saying that, you know, our gospel is a gospel or a message of hate and it's not our gospel. The gospel we preach is a gospel of love. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ that he loved all of us so much that he sent his son to die for our sins. Um, but we need to repent and turn from our sins and make godly choices. So, um, me being accountable and me, you know, being repentful towards God when I do make mistakes is also important for me in my walk and staying um, on on this walk with Christ.
0: Wow, incredible, uh, Michael! Um, just before I, I let you go, I'm going to ask you to please um, say a short prayer to um, those who are listening to us, who uh, you know who are trusting God to come out of this, you know, um, sort of situation, and those who probably have friends you know, they're trying to help doing their best to sort of help them. I'd like you to say a short prayer for them as well. Um, This has been an insightful conversation for me and I really appreciate you um, so much for uh, making our time for this, Michael. Thank you so much. Um, Just before you also say the short prayer, I'm going to ask everyone who has been listening and watching to please endeavor share this episode with someone. Let someone get blessed by this amazing story. Um, you know, share, it, hit the like button, you know, so that it gets recommended to um, other persons. That would just be beautiful. If you can just do that for me, I really appreciate that. All right. Um, and if you haven't subscribed as well, please take a moment and subscribe, uh, subscribe rather to this um, um, podcast. Thank you so much. All right, um, Michael, yeah. So um, over to you, please.
1: All right. Well, thank you for having me on here today. I appreciate it. Thank you for um, your heart, you know, to want to share uh, with other people that might be struggling or have somebody that there is hope um, that change is possible. So I thank you for your heart to want to uh, let this testimony be shared. It's not my testimony. It's God's testimony through me. So um, I just yeah. thank you for that. And I would love to close in a word of prayer. So dear Lord God, we just come before you with praise, thanksgiving glory and honor. Lord God, we're thankful for all the blessings in our life. Lord God, above all else, we're thankful that we woke up today, Lord God, that you gave us a chance at life today. That you woke us up and gave us breath in our lungs today, Lord God, so that we can share hope and share a gospel of love, which comes from you, Father God. I thank you for my brother having me on today, and I thank you for his heart to share this testimony and share the love for the LGBTQ through his podcast, Lord God. I just ask that anybody listening today or in the days to come that come across this message, if anything at the least, Lord God, that they find hope, Lord God. If they're dealing with unwanted feelings of same-sex attraction or if they have family members, sons, daughters, brothers, sisters, mothers, cousins, anybody that they have, friends, maybe family that are in the LGBTQ community but that are lost and that ultimately, Lord God, it's not about their sexuality, it's about their identity, Lord God. So anybody that is looking to other things in the world to fill their identity, that this message helps bring them hope and lets them know that their identity is found in you, Father God anybody that's wrestling with the lie from the enemy that says you were born this way, or you can't change Lord God that their eyes are open and that their ears are open and that they hear your voice, that they know that hope is possible and change is possible with you, Jesus Christ, that they don't need to worry on focusing about changing their desires, but that they need to focus on changing their heart towards you and just accepting you as their Lord in Christ. So that way you can help mold them and form them into who you created them to be, Lord God. And I just ask for prayer, uh, For soft hearts, Lord God, for the for the church, Lord God, let them be open and let them be loving to the LGBTQ community. Let them open their arms as a safe place for anybody in the LGBTQ that wants to and that needs to hear about Jesus Christ. That the church does a great job at exemplifying your love and that we don't come from a place of judgment or uh, condemnation, but we come from a place of grace and mercy, Lord God. So I just ask for anybody that hears this, Lord God, that ears are open and hearts are open to the truth and that captives are set free. Not through my story, Lord God, but through your story, through me. We give you praise, glory, and honor for today, Lord God, in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Okay. Um, thank you so much, Michael. I really appreciate you my love to your family. Um, God yeah. bless you. God bless you too, brother. Thank you. All right. So that's all we have for you today on the Faith Culture Podcast. Thank you for staying tuned for listening. And I really appreciate you, uh, my fellow fellow. Uh, you know, um, viewers, God bless you all greatly. It's like, come your way next time. Stay blessed.